Well, just a couple months ago, my former boss, Rick Warren, retired from Saddleback Church after 40 years of having been the pastor there. And I believe, and this is just a personal opinion, but I believe that this is when the real test of leadership comes. What I mean by that is whatever you accomplish somewhere, that's great, but what happens once you're gone? What happens once you retire? Did everything like collapse once you're gone because everything was built around you and your personality and your accomplishments and what you're able to do? Or did you build a foundation? Did you invest in a team of people that you raised up so that things could continue on well beyond that then? Now, I think in the case of Saddleback, things are going to be fine, but I want to say the same thing to you. What's going to happen in your life and in your leadership when you end up retiring or you pass away? What's going to happen when you stop coaching or you stop teaching the class? Was it all built around you? Or did you raise up a team of people that's going to be able to continue a legacy well beyond you in your lifetime, in your ministry, or whatever it is that you happen to be doing? That's what I want to talk to you about here today as we wrap up this series on leadership is all about legacy. How do we make sure that we leave a lasting legacy? And I want to remind you one more time here in the series, every single one of us is a leader. And the reason I say that is because we all have what? We've talked about it every week. We all have influence, right? Every single one of us have influence in some way. And so we're all leaders. And I want to talk to you moms that are out there and those of you that are watching online. Welcome. Happy Mother's Day. A lot of times moms go, well, I, I don't know, man, you know, I, I'm not a, a great leader. I'm, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. But listen, there is no such thing as just a stay-at-home mom. That's a very important thing. And what I want to say to you this morning is your legacy may not be in something you do, but in someone you raise. I say that again. Your legacy may not be in something you do, but in someone you raise. That 2-year-old, that 12-year-old, they need you. They need your leadership. They need you to be doing what it is that you're doing to raise them up to be young men and young women of God. And so invest in them. Pour your life into them. They may be your greatest legacy that you have. And that's okay. That's great. But be the best leader that you can possibly be. And let me say that to everybody. When it comes to the kids, you need to be the best mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandparent that you possibly can be because our kids need us. This is a crazy world we're living in. And so invest in them. Pour your life into them. Leave a legacy well beyond your lifetime. But again, this whole thing of leadership and and legacy, you need to be the best coworker you can be. You need to be the best boss you can be. You need to be the best family member you can be, the best neighbor you can be. The best anything you can be because other people are watching. And so I want to ask you, what legacy are you going to leave behind? And how can you ensure that your impact is felt well after the time that you're gone? Solomon talks about this in Proverbs 11.30. He writes, live right and you will eat from the life-giving tree. And if you act wisely, others will follow. So the question is this, how do we act wisely? How do we get other people to follow us in a way that's going to leave a legacy? 
Well, Jesus said this in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much, what? Fruit. Remain in Jesus and he in you and you will bear much fruit. And then he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's a great reminder to all of us that apart from Jesus, you can do absolutely nothing. I don't care if you're a natural-born leader or not. Apart from Jesus, you can do absolutely nothing. He is the root and the source of all the fruit that you're ever going to bear. He is the vine, and we are the branches. And so that's what I want to talk about today is what are some of the, the branches, so to speak, that we can be sort of developing in our own lives in order to leave a lasting legacy? Four things. Number one there on your outline, to leave a lasting legacy will require that I am intentional about my mission in life. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. So many people are just sort of floating through life, just mindlessly, just one day leads to the next day, leads to the next day, and next thing you know, it's another week has gone by, and another year has gone by, another decade has gone by, and you really haven't thought about what is it that I'm doing? What on earth am I really here for? What is my purpose and mission in life? But to have a legacy, you've got to do that. That's why we, take, uh, we took a whole week and we talked about vision and mission and values for your life. You've got to be very, very intentional. I mean, Jesus was. He had laser-like focus when it came to these things. He knew exactly why he was here. He said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. We talked about it the other week that he came to establish and develop a, a team of global disciple makers. And everything that Jesus did, he put through that filter of, is it leading more people to me? And is it helping people to grow closer and closer to me? We need to do the same thing in our family and at our work. You know, it's much easier for people to follow you and then continue on once you're gone if you've made the mission very obvious and very clear. You've made the expectations of what it is to be a follower very, very clear as well. You don't accidentally just back your way into a Christ-honoring legacy. This is something that you've got to be very, very intentional about. Number two, then, to leave a lasting legacy will require me to remain humble. You know, Jesus, he was the greatest leader of all time. And as we looked, he, he left the, the biggest legacy of anybody who has ever lived. And a big part of that, and again, we've talked about this, was he was so humble. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve other people. And then Jesus gave a, a great reminder to us for our lives. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, he says, Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will will be exalted. You know, sometimes leaders, they get so focused on themselves, they get so focused on their own agenda and their, their own ego that, that they just sort of lose focus of what things are really all about. A couple of months ago, I watched a, a limited series on Hulu called The Dropout. Did anybody else see The Dropout? It's based off of a true story about Elizabeth Holmes and she started a, a biotech company, built it up, and I mean, she was under 30 years old into a multi-billion dollar a year company. But the whole thing was a fraud. And you can see it as they're telling the story, and I'm assuming most of it is true. She was so focused on herself, her own agenda, and what she wanted, her own ego, that she didn't care that the whole company that she had started was a scam, that it was a fraud, that it was just a sham, 
that it was actually literally killing people with this medical device. She didn't care because it was all about herself. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You have got to be humble as a leader. It's not about you. It's about truly loving and serving other people. By the way, as a quick little side note, legacies aren't always good. This is an example of a legacy that's bad. So we will be known for something in our lives. All of us are going to leave a legacy of some sort. But to be a healthy leader and to have a healthy legacy, you've got to model for your team what true humility looks like. I mentioned Rick Warren at the beginning of the message, and one of the reasons that I said that I think Saddleback will continue on and do well is Rick is the most humble person that I think I've ever met. Now, I'm going to share a couple stories with you to, to sort of talk about that. So I was working for him in Purpose Driven right at the height of when he wrote the Purpose Driven Life book, and it became a, a cultural phenomenon. Rick went from being famous as, uh, you know, somebody to pastors, he was famous amongst pastors, to just flat out being famous. The Purpose Driven Life book itself sold 55 million copies. It's been over 70 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, of which 27 of those weeks, it was number one. When the book was number one on the list, you could take books two through ten on the list, add up all their sales combined, and it still didn't equal what the Purpose Driven Life was doing all by itself. Now, that included Bill Clinton had written an autobiography during that time, and one of the Harry Potter books was out during that time. So they were on the list, but yet, again, two through ten didn't even equal. I mean, this thing took off, and it was amazing to be a part of what was going on at that time. Uh, Rick, you know, was being interviewed by Oprah and, and Larry King, and he was, you know, in Time Magazine and front page of newspapers, and people were talking about him, athletes and singers and, and, and actresses and actors, even ones that weren't believers. This book was just making a tremendous difference. Now, I don't know exactly how much Rick got per copy of the book, but let's just say I remember the staff meeting, we all came together, and that was just something I was always so blown away when I worked there. Keep in mind the average church in America is about 70 people. We had over 700 people on our staff between the church and Purpose Driven. And so when we would get together for our all-staff staff meetings, I mean, it was a major production, like the band, because all the band was like full-time employees, they would come out and do a full worship set for us and everything, and then Rick would come out and give some sort of inspiring message to us, you know, as the, as the leader. But I'd be, like, there worshiping and stuff, and I'd, like, look around and go, there's, like, ten times the amount of people on our staff <laughs> as is in the uh, typical church. So it was, it was amazing, but I'll never forget the staff meeting that Rick came out. He said, look, guys, things have changed. Right? I never wanted this notoriety. I never wanted this fame, but yet it's happened. He says, God has given me more influence and more affluence. He said, let me tell you what I'm going to do with those things. He says, when it comes to influence, it's not about me. I mean, that's the first line of the, the Purpose Driven Life book, right? It's not about you. And so he was living it out. He said, it's not about me. God has given me this influence, and so I'm going to use it to speak up for those who have no voice. 
Since God has given me a voice, I'll speak up for the poor, the widow, the orphan. And then he said, you know what? I'm also going to use my influence to speak to those who have influence. And so he spoke to both houses of Congress. He spoke to the president. He went and he spoke to the National Teachers Association. He spoke to all four of the academies of the military branches. I mean, he was just going out and trying to influence anybody that he possibly could. And then with the money side of it, the affluence, he said, look, here's what I'm doing. I'm not changing my lifestyle at all. And we watched it. He didn't buy a new car. In fact, he was still driving around this sort of beater car that he'd been driving for many years. He didn't buy a new house, a second house, a vacation house. He didn't buy a boat. Didn't get any of those things. You know what he did with the money? This is absolutely amazing. And again, we're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars that he must have brought in. He said, number one, I'm not changing my lifestyle. Number two, I'm, I'm going to stop taking a salary from the church. Never going to take a salary again. Number three, he paid back 25 years worth of salary to the church. Next, he decided that he was going to start, and this is one of the goals I've told you that I have, he started to reverse tithe. In other words, he was giving 90% of his income to the church and then living off of 10%. Next, he started a nonprofit organization to help cancer research because his wife Kay was going through cancer at the time, so they started that. And then the last thing he did is he started another nonprofit organization to help pastors in third world countries. And so we were watching this in real time of somebody that God had given this major, major platform, not just amongst Christians, but amongst the world. And we watched how humble he was. There is nobody less impressed with Rick Warren than Rick Warren. I mean, he is just the most amazing man. I'll never forget, there was this uh, time, it was actually over uh, Valentine's Day uh, week uh, that we were all in Boston together as a, as a team. There was eight of us there. We were doing a, a conference for 15,000 uh, pastors and church leaders. And uh, so we're, we're doing this whole thing, and we're backstage, and we're in the green room, and it was about time for Rick to go out on the stage. And so they call him over the, the thing, you know, Rick Warren to the stage, Rick Warren to the stage. So he's going, and he gets up, and like, Half his shirt's down like this, and the other half is tucked in. I mean, it's just, it's like, and it's like, are you going to tell him? Are you going to tell him? Are you going to, you know, who's, who's going to tell Rick that, you know, don't go out on the stage. You look like a bum right now. And uh, so finally, one of the guys pipes up and like, Rick, you know, you know, do everything. And so he goes down the hallway, and we don't think we're going to, you know, see him again until he's done his talk. But like a minute later, he comes back in. He had forgotten something. And so he, he grabs it off the thing. And he's like, let me tell you a quick story. And we're like, do we have time for a quick story? Because you're supposed to be out there talking right now. But he's like, let me tell you a quick story. He's like, you think that was bad of me on my shirt and everything? He's like, I just did a whole video shoot last week where my zipper was down the whole time. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's just who Rick is, right? Very, very humble. And again, that's why I say I think the legacy of Saddleback will be fine. Because Rick modeled that. For all of us as a staff and the staff that, that still remains there. In fact, I just talked to a, one of the guys on staff uh, the other day. And he said, man, you know, even with the new leader coming in, things are going great. Things are phenomenal.
And I, I want to encourage you again with the, the same thing. Don't shine the spotlight on yourself. The, the best leaders are not know-it-alls. They don't seek attention or applause. Because they realize that, look, if I shine the spotlight on the Jesus and I shine the spotlight on my team, then everything will be fine. Because when the team wins, everybody wins. And so I want to encourage you, be humble. Be humble. Make the name of Jesus famous. Raise up a team and you'll leave a lasting legacy. Number three, to leave a lasting legacy will require me to walk with integrity. What is integrity? Well, integrity is to live your life with honesty and and strong moral principles. It also means to live undivided, to to be whole. Proverbs 11.3, we read this, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. I mean, if you want to fail as a leader, just lie to people. If you want to fail as a leader, tell your team to do one thing, then you do the opposite thing. As leaders, we've got to be people of our word. Jesus said that you need to make your yes, yes, and your no, no. In other words, we've got to learn to practice what it is that we preach. Matthew 5, 8, Jesus says this, God blesses those whose hearts are pure. If your actions and your speech come from a pure heart, You never then have to worry about keeping your story straight of what did I tell this person and what did I tell this person. If you're living with a a pure heart, you don't have to to worry about, oh, okay, around this group of people I act one way, and around this group of people over here I act a completely different way. Now, as a quick little side note, it's always easier to live with a pure heart and with pure motives when you're hanging around people that are seeking to do the same thing, pure heart and pure motive as well. So integrity is, you know, who is it that you are when nobody else is watching? Are you one way when people are watching, but somebody completely different when you're all alone? Or again, you're one way around your Christian friends, but then you're another way around your coworkers, or maybe your family members? I'll never forget the, the first time I realized that, well, probably, well, it was one of the times that I realized that I was really starting to grow in my faith. So I was a pretty new Christian, maybe three or four uh, years into my Christianity. I was still self-employed at the time. And my church that I was attending, they decided to send me down to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for some uh, training and an evangelism course. I think I've talked about that before. Yeah, actually, I talked about that recently because uh, I was out on the beach in my suit doing evangelism. Remember that, that story? Uh, but anyway, I'm down there, and I, you know, by myself, nobody else from the, my church is there. And we were out, we were doing evangelism, and there was like this sort of roadside, like, uh, it wasn't quite a food truck, but think of a food truck type of thing. And so hot dogs and hamburgers and and various things like that. And so I am dressed up because, again, we were required to wear suits every time we were out uh, doing this. So I got a suit on, I go to this little roadside stand, order a couple hot dogs, some french fries, maybe a soda or something. And the guy looks at me because it was cash only, and I said, hey, I need a receipt for that because the church was going to, you know, reimburse me for, you know, all my expenses while I was away. And so uh, I give him the cash, and he says, uh, how much do you want me to make the receipt out for? Well, I didn't get where he was going with that. And I was like, well, how much was it? You know, 
two hot dogs and, you know, uh, fries and a soda. That's how much. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. He's like, how much do you want me to make the receipt out for? You're getting reimbursed for this, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm getting reimbursed. And he said, so how much do you want me to make the receipt out for? Because he was going to jack it up, you know, to whatever, so I could get more. And I was like, I want you to make it out for what the actual cost was. He's like, okay. And he like fills the thing out. He answers to me, he goes, are you one of those Christians? <laughs> like, yeah. But again, it was, it was one of those times that I realized, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really growing as a follower. Because how easy would it have been in that moment to jack it up, to get a little bit more money? So again, we all need to walk with integrity. Who are you when nobody else is watching? Without this branch of the tree of your legacy, man, it's just going to wither and die. And it's going to do it from the inside out. From the outside, everything's going to look good, but eventually it will wither up and die. Number four, to leave a lasting legacy will require me to walk with consistency. Now, listen, you're not going to get this one perfect because there's those times when our behaviors betray our beliefs, but you've got to strive to be as consistent as possible in your behaviors at all times, both in the good times and in the bad times, both in the times you're hanging out with other followers and the times that you're not. Hebrews 13.8, we read this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. You want to talk about consistency? That's consistency. He's been the same throughout all of eternity. Now you're going, Jesus got in the flesh. Yeah, he may have had a little advantage on us. But still, in the areas where Jesus has transformed you and he's changed you, stay consistent with that. Don't, like, fluctuate. Be consistent with it. In the areas where you need to change, change as quickly as possible. Become more and more like Jesus in your character and your conduct every single day of your life. Be consistent in living out your faith. Now, let me give you a little bit of a warning here. A lot of times we think that inconsistency only comes in those times where we sort of let our guard down because, you know, we're tired or we're sick or we're super busy, or, you know, we've gotten a report of bad news of some sort. We think that those are the times that Satan's going to tempt us, and he does. But realize that Satan also will tempt you during your greatest highs as well. Those times when you've achieved a victory, when you've met a goal, he knows that you're vulnerable in that moment that now's a chance to tempt them to be inconsistent in their faith. Did you know that more mountain climbers die coming down off the mountain than going up the mountain? It's true. What happens is as you're climbing up the mountain, you are so focused on, on the goal at hand to, to get to the top. And so you're very, very careful each and every step you're like, I got to get there. I got to get there. But then what happens at the top? If you've ever seen people, they climb to the top of Mount Everest or any of these other great peaks. It's like, yes, I did it. I've met my goal. And they take the selfies. And a lot of times you see they have like a bottle of champagne that they'll pop open and drink that. They're so excited. They think that they've achieved the ultimate on the journey. 
But the truth of the matter is this. The journey and the true victory doesn't happen until you've gotten safely back to the bottom of the mountain so that you can tell other people about what the top of the mountain is, maybe even inspire them to go to the top of the mountain. But what happens is they think that at the top, okay, I've done what I set out to do. And then they get careless and reckless coming down. And that's why many people die on the way down, not on the way up. And it's going to be the same way for you in your life. When you met a goal of some sort, maybe you got a, a raise at work, maybe you got a promotion. Congratulations on your graduation yesterday master's degree. This is a time of temptation that can come in because you think that you're at the top. You have a new child. You, you just got married. You just bought a new house. Yes, we achieved it. It's our goal. And you let your guard down. Satan comes in and starts to tempt you. All of a sudden, you're not living a consistent faith any longer. Again, we have got to strive every single day in our conduct and our character to be more and more like Jesus. So let me ask you, are you the same person when you have the remote control for the TV in your hand as you are when you have the communion elements in your hand? The language that you use, the jokes that you tell, are they ones that you would tell me? You see, there's some of you that you go, I, I couldn't say that around Gilbert. I couldn't tell that joke. I couldn't do that action because Gilbert's a pastor, and, and we, we can't do that around pastors. Well, I want you to realize if you wouldn't do it around me, then you shouldn't be doing it. Besides, I'm not the one that you need to be careful around. I'm not always there. God always is. So if you wouldn't do it in the church, you wouldn't do it around the pastor, then just don't do it. You need to be more consistent in your life and in your faith with your language and your jokes and your, your conduct of whatever it is that you're doing. And so this one here, remaining consistent in your character and in your conduct is going to be important to leaving a lasting legacy. So wrap up today, let me ask you a couple questions. The first one is this. Of the four areas that we talked about today, intentionality, humility, integrity, and consistency, which one do you struggle with the most? You don't have to answer it out loud, but which one do you struggle with the most? Question number two who do you know that actually does really well in that area that you're struggling with? That you're like, man, I, I wish I could be more like them when it comes to humility or integrity, consistency. Who is it? Now, I think the next step that I'm going to ask you to take is pretty obvious. Invite them out to lunch, dinner, for a cup of coffee. Say, hey, I've noticed this area of your life that I'm a little weak in this, and I want to know how did you do it? What were the next steps that God gave you to help you in that area? And then just start to live it out. Be wise. 
be wise in following God's word, but there's wisdom in a multitude of, of counselors. Find good counsel in your life that can help you take next steps. That's going to help you in leaving a legacy. Remember, your life is more than just the two dates that you find on a gravestone because there's eternity to think about as well. What are you doing that's going to make an eternal difference? Your family, at your work, in your church, in your community. Listen, God gets to determine how long you live, but you get to determine what kind of legacy you're going to leave. Say that again. God determines how long you're going to live, but you will determine what kind of legacy you're going to leave. That's why it's so important that we're living out these four branches. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. And apart from him, you can do nothing. So every day, ask him. Pray. Jesus, help me with each of these four areas. Help me to be more intentional. Help me to be more humble. Help me to walk with integrity and consistency. All of us have a choice. I pray that you're going to choose wisely. Again, every single one of us is a leader. Why? Because we all have influence. And so let's leave a good, lasting influence in all the places where we live and where we work and where we play. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for these last five weeks as we've gone through this series on leadership and discovered the, the principles of how we can take the influence that you've given us, whether it's as a, a stay-at-home mom, a factory worker, a sales clerk, a business owner, a corporate CEO, no matter who we are, we all have influence. And so Lord, help us to, to use that influence in ways that are going to point to you and going to honor you and, and glorify you. Lord, help us in these areas that we looked at today that, uh, again, the, the, the true test is going to be what happens once we're gone. We've retired. We've passed away. We stopped teaching the class. We've stopped coaching the team. Whatever it is that we've stopped doing, is our legacy going to be felt well beyond our ministry or our tenure or even our lifetime? So, Lord, help us to live with intentionality. Help us to, to live with integrity and consistency in our lives. Lord, help us to walk with humility. Father, your spirit has been speaking to each and every one of us here today, revealing which one of those areas that we struggle in. And so, Lord, I pray that we would just take that next step. It's such an easy next step just to invite somebody out to lunch or to coffee. And ask him that question. How can I grow in this area? Teach me how I can do it. Father, again, help us to be obedient in taking that next step. And then the next step after that, and the next step after that. Lord, we know that if we're faithful in just taking little next steps each and every day in our character and in our conduct, making it more and more like you, that one day we'll be able to look back decades from now and go, wow, 
I did leave a lasting legacy here in my kids' lives, in my family's life, in the life of my neighbors and my friends, my coworkers, the people of my local community and my church. Lord, help us to take our eyes off of ourselves and put it onto you so we can make a difference for you, not just here now, but for all of eternity as well. I thank you that so many people are already on that path. Help them to continue in that, to be consistent in that. And Lord, for those that need to make those changes, help them to make the changes and make them right now to become more and more like you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.